Do life's greatest questions seem like a mystery? Well, we're probably going to talk about it here at Appalachian Liturgy. Important questions like, are you a Jedi or an Imperial? Is oatmeal actually a breakfast cereal? Is a Catholic weekday really called a ferial? Did you know that Mr. Rogers was Presbyterial? So join us as we have a little fun talking about thy kingdom come. Welcome, everyone, to the Appalachian Liturgy Podcast. I am Justin Stacy. I'm Reverend Brooke Ashley. And I'm Justin Bowen. And tonight, we are going to talk about um, the resurrection. Uh, we are in the Easter season. Um, lasts, when's it last? It, it's 50 days, but I don't know what specific date that is. Uh, I do. I mean, it is May, like, 24th, maybe. Um, so that that's one of the things that I guess I didn't realize uh, when I before I be, became more liturgical is that it was a it's a season lasts for fifty days, so that that's all always really awesome. Um, but yeah, we're we're gonna dive into the resurrection and um, I think hit some points. I, I feel like hearing hearing messages on Easter about the resurrection can be hit or miss. Uh, I'll just say how hard it is to preach on the resurrection. I mean, really. Yeah, let's talk about how bad messages are, and we'll just like make Brooke feel really bad. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> let's do what a ter- what a terrible job you all are doing on the resurrection. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. So, like, of course, I was in the hospital this Easter Sunday. So, um, I'm glad was to the- have you back. Yeah, yes. thanks. Welcome back. I was supposed to preach at the sunrise service, and um, Aaron then was going to preach the the worship service. You know, and and we always talk about what do you preach on? Yeah. You know, I mean, you would think with Easter morning being like the holiest day of the year, that it would be so easy to preach about the resurrection, right? I mean, because we are Easter people. We're supposed to live like Easter people in the resurrection. But it's funny because a lot of what you want to preach on about the resurrection, people sitting in the pews don't want to hear about the resurrection. You know, so, I mean, it's it's tough. Yeah, I've always wondered, I've thought about that, and it's not really something... I had pre-planned talking about too, but I'm glad you brought it up because it seems like that is a hard thing to plan because a lot of people you're talking to, you know, to use a stereotype, not be a Christer, you know, Mm -hmm. Christmas and Easter uh, church attender. So there's, this is a rare chance you get to kind of sum everything up into one message. Yeah. So lots of pressure. (laughs) So Holy Week is so hard if you're a clergy person, I mean, because there's so much preparation, there's so many messages and you are, you're right. Like, you know, you have a group of people who do not pay attention to the church at any other time of the year, really. And it's kind of your chance to snag them, to make, uh, what does it mean to believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Why is that life changing? Why is that important enough that you're going to come to church or be part of a faith community outside of Christmas and Easter? Um, so the pressure is real. You have the timing is crazy. I mean, if you do Holy Week right, I mean, you have like 
four messages <laughs> that week and all the other stuff. I mean, it's just, it's unreal. So most clergy people crash Easter afternoon. Like, um, it used to be the day that we pulled all the blinds and nobody spoke. So like as a family, we didn't even do Easter bunny stuff for our kids because we were so tired. So Abby is a sophomore in college and she spent Easter with another family this year because of the kind of chaos that we had going on here. She came in later to help, but um, she, she sent me a message and said, look, the Easter bunny finally found me after 19 years. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah. So tell me about the bad Easter sermons that you've heard. Well, I wouldn't call them bad. Like all of the Easter sermons that I'm, I'm used to, I, they're hopeful. You know, they, they have a good message. Um, my issue, and I, you know, I always have to put my NT right hat. I blame him because he's, he's gotten my head for years. And so ever since, like when I hear uh, uh, just any message about the resurrection or anything, and if there's, wait if there's too much concentration on heaven then i start getting annoyed Why do you and it's, just, it's because <laughs> i know it's going to come off that i don't like heaven but it's not the case it's i, I just you know there seems to be uh, more of a not a gnostic message to the resurrection the way that i'm you know i think that's popular to hear on on easter or any other time really but that you know what Jesus done is opened up the gates uh, to, to heaven to, so that we can receive our eternal bodies and that type of thing. And I don't feel, I feel like that's not exactly scripture backed, that that's more, it's a good feeling, <laughs> but you know, and, and there is, you know, there is scripture that, that backs the idea that there is something in the afterlife, you know, Jesus, tells the thief on the cross that he's going to be with him today in paradise. So, okay, that's, that's something there's, that was death and he's going to be with him in death. Um, and then there is, uh, like Paul says to, to be out of the body is to be with the Lord. Um, so there is something clearly, uh, but to me, that's not resurrection. That's just afterlife. Um, yeah, that, that's what, what, what I, I think, you seem like you're getting at is like you dislike the idea of like putting it as this other entirely type thing and not emphasizing like the redemption of our bodies, redemption of creation entirely type thing that Easter is. Yes. Kind of the I, fulfillment of. Yeah. I feel like when you, when you take away, when you take away the physical parts of resurrection, including creation, you know, it's not just resurrection to us. You know, it is the renewal of creation. It's a new creation. We are a new creation, and the world is going to be a new creation. Right. But you, when you take that away and you just concentrate on, you know, I just need to get right so that when I die, I go to my eternal home of heaven, then you can easily fall into the trap of not caring about this life anymore. Yeah, I, I think that's a common pitfall of Christianity. And, I, and I'll go back to, I think it's when it becomes all about salvation of the soul, you know, mm -hmm. the, the scare tactics of if you die or not, where you, where you're going to spend eternity and all that kind of stuff, that fear of hell, you know, yeah. um, and, and maybe one day we can, we can talk about hell in, in greater depth, but 
you know, I think it's a both and, you know, throughout Jesus's life, he talks about the kingdom of heaven being at hand and he didn't mean upon his death. I mean, he meant then, Yes. you know, he teaches us in the Lord's prayer that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you mm -hmm. know, and you know, what you're talking about is redemption. And I think, you know, with the, and I get so frustrated when folks don't observe Good Friday before Easter morning, mm -hmm. because I think they miss out on a really important part of this salvation story that Jesus, you know, er, the forgiveness comes in, in the death of Jesus, right? But he's raised to life. He, he raises us with him to abundant life. I mean, the punishment of sin is abolished with the resurrection mm -hmm. and it frees us to live in a way now not just eternally yes. but have a hope-filled life now because the redemption of the world actually started then and it's a process that is continuing on and will culminate in the returning of christ at whatever point yeah. that is you know and and scripture backs up the fact that this whole world will be redeemed you know, it will mm -hmm. be as God intended it to be in the creation, um, you know, and, and I think people jump to the, the uh, images of revelation to get where they, where they see heaven and they just whitewash all of the other conversations about the redemption of, of the world, um, including us and in the world that we live in. Yeah, I like that, that point. And I've heard that made before too, like we're resurrection people now. Like right. it's, it's that the resurrection has happened and we're living in the, the time of the resurrection of Christ. It's not like it's, it's fully going to be realized, you know, like you said, at the return of Christ, but there's a piece of it that is, you know, we are living in now and we shouldn't neglect that part. It's uh, and like you said, Justin, it kind of reminds me of a lot of the, the emphasis on the soul only reminds me a lot of the Gnostic tendencies that you see in the uh, early church, kind of like the, rejection of any good and anything physical type thing. Anything and, pleasurable is bad. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it comes yeah. back all the time. It's in the, the Gnosticism there. It's, it's in the, uh, the, the Puritanism type thing of a lot yeah. of like, you know, if it, if it's, if it's fun, it's bad. <laughs> it colors our, our view of sexuality in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, man, talk about there's, there's us a, a conversation. There's lots of topics here. We Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and environmental topics too. Um, you know, yeah. creation care it definitely influences that if you if you don't believe that it is important to care about this physical world then you're not going to care if you pollute it you know? well, and I think too this is where um I think the church gets divided on social justice issues and spiritual issues you know and yeah. as somebody who firmly has their feet planted in both areas you can't ignore one for the other and what happens is a lot of times you'll see people who will either just be socially justice minded, right? They separate that from the good news of Christ. I mean, that they will say, I do this because I believe Jesus loves you and God loves you and, and you shouldn't suffer. But they never talk about that with folks. And then you've got folks who never do any of the social justice stuff because they're only wanting, you know, your soul to be saved. Yep. Um, and there really is a marrying. I mean, if you really look at the gospel of Jesus, Ooh, I said that like a preacher. Um, Jesus, um, you know, it, it's married. It's a both and. And I think throughout Jesus's life, 
you see that both and. And I'll go back, we've talked about this before, when you're looking at the writings of Paul, and as a congregation right now, we're reading through Philippians through Easter time. And um, you've got to remember, Jesus is talking to people who don't know that he's the son of God. Mm-hmm. Paul's talking to people who are claiming to be followers. Of exactly. Jesus. And there's a difference there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I th- you know, I think it's really interesting that it, se- it seems as though we've, we've adopted an interpretation of Christianity in our modern times that is all about saving souls. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is the spreading of the gospel. That's the only thing we think of, just saving someone that's an unbeliever. Once you become a believer, we're good. You know, there's, and, and that was one of the things that kind of turned me off with a, some, I guess, some of the more contemporary churches. Like, to me, when I would listen to a, a sermon at a, a more modern, what I would call modern church, like a, I don't know, what, what are some of the popular ones? Hillsong, is that one? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll throw them under the bus. I've heard their name, um, but... It, it, it's it's a message of here's why you need Jesus. So it's to the unbeliever. And I think that's definitely been a problem in the past. And I, I've definitely noticed that as well. I, I feel like that's also something that a lot of churches have become more cognizant about in mm-hmm. like emphasizing more growth as disciples of Christ. Small groups. Like small There's groups. a lot of small that's groups. That's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. That, that seems like it's become no, like they, people have noticed that it's a problem. So I think you're noticing a problem that yeah. luckily people it, are also noticing. Right. So, yeah, and that's good. Small groups are great uh, for for that type of stuff. But, you know, I, I, I I think it's more scriptural backed for the the church to be more in line with what Paul did in discipling. You know, this is, this is what, and 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 that's why I like the liturgical traditions. It's what, it seems like that's what they're doing. They're discipling with the, with the liturgy. So I do think that, um, we've had this pushback with our mainstream churches, right? Mm-hmm. Our major have really pushed back against any uh, eternal conversation. Mm-hmm. It's always about the here and now. Um, and there's no talk about eternity. Whereas with our more evangelical churches, it's all about it's the, the here and now. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, afterlife, but not yep. much about here and now. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of pushback and I think it really, you've really got to look at what is grace? What does, what does salvation really mean? Is, is this a once saved, always saved? I mean, Aaron preached a whole sermon this past Easter Sunday on um, the fallacy of the sinner's prayer. You know? Oh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. Oh yeah. Go back Easter Sunday. That sounds good. Yeah. You know, and, and he talks about how there's this huge emphasis on that. And does that really make us, is that the end all? Yeah. You know, and I love the fact that we have glimpses of Jesus's life after the resurrection. Like he doesn't just immediately be resurrected and poof, he's gone again. But we see him encounter folks and they have to recognize the risen Jesus because he's different. Right. Just like we are supposed as resurrected people, we are supposed to be different. Yep. Um, and we get that right sometimes and we get that wrong sometimes. I mean, we, we still, it's not like because we believe in Jesus and we're resurrected people, we don't suffer the consequences of our sin and others. Um, and that personal evil has gone away, you know? Um, and so we do have those consequences, but it's a process. And hopefully, 
as we follow Jesus longer in our lives, we look different. I mean, if me at 45 am acting the same way as I did in my early 20s and, and late teens, when I really started contemplating what it meant to follow Jesus, I'm in trouble. Right. You know, I'm in trouble. Is it, I mean, isn't that, that's the theological idea of sanctification, right? Yes. Of, of becoming more sanctified. Yeah. Um, and, and, and doesn't that, isn't that the kind of what motivates the idea of purgatory uh, bowling that in the afterlife? That's part of not, it. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah that we, There's the, more yeah. of a sanctification mm-hmm. process in the afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing I was going to add to that too, I, I love the idea of the, the both and that's one of my favorite things about mm-hmm. uh, a list. But one of my favorite topics is that Christianity is in as a whole, a combination of both and of sometimes seemingly contradictory ideas type thing, but it's what makes us human. And I, and I think what you're talking about here in general too, is that when, when you emphasize only like a spiritual resurrection or spiritually in heaven or something like that, we're missing a big part of what makes us human. We're, body and soul we're not just yeah. a soul with a body god made us as a body and soul it's that both and and what we're you're leaving a part out it's not reducing what you know the resurrection is not reducing what heaven is or the afterlife is but it's actually adding to it it's adding onto it something that is distinctively part of our human nature that god created us to be it's he it's it's believing that god created us to be more than we're kind of giving him credit for really yeah um and, you know, I can understand kind of where some of this confusion is coming from. Uh, I, I used I used to be solely on board with just the spiritual, you know, well, I die, I go to heaven, and that's where I'm at for eternity. Before, I, you know, my eyes were opened on this isn't really back with Scripture. Uh, but one thing that is, is 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul is talking about the resurrection body. And he is making the binary uh, uh distinction between physical and spiritual adam and jesus you know he is making those dynamics you know to to prove a point but i don't think that he meant that these are two different things you know the what he's saying is resurrection bodies putting these things together he's not saying that well you were you were a physical body and now because of jesus you're going to be a spiritual body and that's it no he's saying these things are going to come together the renewed body is is together. Um, so let me, let me ask you this. So there's a, a whole host of folks in the Christian realm who do not believe that Jesus's body was physically resurrected, right? They, I'm they not sure I know this that. one. What what what's the? Uh, oh, just like at all? At all? They believe okay. that it's a fallacy, or that he had a different body, or that it was. I'm just not familiar with this either. I don't think I am either. I didn't either until I went to seminary, <laughs> y'all. And I was like, I mean, I can I mean, remember. Is that still, still a modern like, uh, modern belief or is that, was yes, that something in church this history? This is a modern belief. That's really? why you hear people talk about the historical Jesus. Um, so are you talking about people who, what is it, like skeptics. don't believe the resurrection happened at all versus people who. Like a John Shelby Spong type So there's that personality. resurrection that oh, okay. Jesus is body that he walked in as man never really resurrected and that he was given something totally different and or didn't resurrect at all so my my question is this if you ran across somebody that believed that what does that change for you like would you consider them a follower of christ 
See, that's a tough question. Like, where is the line? Where is the line? Like, I, I don't want to say that they aren't follower of Christ. It, it seems as though it's like, I don't want to say that Mormons aren't, you know, uh, you know, they have an additional book. I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to make that judgment and I'm not going to. So there we go. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't want to do it. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to, <laughs> but um, you know, it is, it seems like a very big deal. Like to me, his resurrection, a, a physical spiritual resurrection is a big deal. Like why else would his body be missing? If, if it was a spiritual, his body would have been there, right? But he shows his body yes. mm-hmm. to his followers. He tells Thomas you know, to put his hand, you know, finger through yeah, the holes in yeah, his hand. Yeah. This Sunday is kind of the Sunday that, that in our liturgical year that, that we talk about Thomas usually, you yeah. know, doubting Thomas. And he, to me, Thomas gets a bad rap. Oh, he does. Poor guy. But everybody else was like, who is this person standing before yeah. us? I mean, yep. the, the folks on the road to Emmaus, the fellows yep. on the, I mean, everybody. But we blame Thomas. I mean, yep. it's a doubting Thomas. Like, what the heck? Um, but and, I think it's yeah, important I, to acknowledge that there are people who do not believe in that it, that it is just a, met, they believe that it's just a metaphorical resurrection. That, yeah, I have a hard time with that, like counting that. That's certainly not, you know, orthodox Christianity at the very right? least. No. <laughs> I felt in anything uh, that's denying basic tenets of the Apostles' Creed seems hard for me to square. That's where, that that's, that's mm-hmm. hard for me too. Yeah. So my favorite part of the whole Easter morning story when you're reading it is when the women are asked, why do you look for the living among the dead? Oh yeah. My, that's my all time favorite thing. That's actually what I was going to preach on Sunday morning was what does that mean? And what does that mean for us today? Do we look for the living among the dead? You know, and I think about the way our churches kind of were pre pandemic. And I think a lot of us were just like driftwood. We were just going through the motions. We were kind of dead, you know, yeah. Um, but what is it? What does it mean to you all to be alive in Christ? It, to me, it means it means to have a hope-filled future, regardless of how bad things are. There is still the hope there. It means that I believe things will get better. Um, I believe, you know, I do have that that security that. When I do die, I am going to be with the Lord because I, I believe that that, that is scriptural based. Um, now, what that looks like, do I, do I think that heaven is a some far off place? No, I don't. I believe heaven is a, is, is a state. It's a, you, mean you, it's don't, a, you don't feel like you're going to be floating on a little cloud with a no. heart and wings? I, I, if so, I'm going to be bored to death. Uh, I mean, that. <laughs> I can't play the harp and, you know, at least let me play guitar or something. (laughs) um, You know, I don't, I don't think that's going to be how it is. Like, you know, I I think a lot of our images of heaven actually comes from people with near death, near death experiences that come back and tells it in books. So we, we get that in popular culture. Uh, You know, I've seen my family members and all that, you know, like there's no scripture there that's saying you're see you're, you're going to see your family members. I do believe that you will, but 
I think that a lot, there's a lot of popular culture in there. I also think there's a lot of like uh, medieval painting imagery of heaven that, that gets blended in as well. I don't know what heaven's going to look like. A lot of people um, think Dante as if it's the... Exactly. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's, it's similar with heaven. Um, so I don't know what heaven's going to look like. I, I believe that it's a state. It's like a, it's like a rest. I d- also don't really think that the judgment happens at death because why else would we need the resurrection and the final judgment? This is a personal judgment and a general judgment is the general, the historical view of that. But, you know, I mean, I don't know how that works. Like do, do people instantly go to hell? I guess that's more my, more what I would be concerned about. Like the, or are they in some some purgatory place or you know i don't know like there's a lot of things that i don't know about the afterlife why don't don't you know every question to every every i don't know (laughs) but because i'm in christ i know that in the afterlife i'm going to be with christ in some form or fashion and i know that there is going to be a resurrection of myself everyone else and the creation and because of that it gives me just the ultimate hope I think, I think that's it. I, I like the idea of uh, hope as being kind of the centerpiece and the uh, space LV and hope we are saved type thing. We talk about like, um, when we think about like what, what all Jesus brought us by becoming incarnate, he, uh, you know, obviously brought us teachings, truth, all these things are true, but ultimately, ultimately what, uh, like I know in Pope Benedict's Jesus of Nazareth series, he talks a lot about what he ultimately brought us is God himself you know, that Emmanuel, that God being with us and that comfort, that hope, that that's what it means to be a resurrected people, that living with that hope. Yeah, and I think as the church and as followers of Christ, we miss an opportunity sometimes to live as people of hope. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that does a disservice to the resurrection of Christ. You know, I think when um, church services consistently revolve around uh, making people feel guilty or bad or scared, that we do a disservice to the hope and the light that was brought in the resurrection. But talking about talking about heaven, Stacey reminded me of a time when I was probably I know I was probably in middle school because my sister was in elementary school and at the church that we were attending at the time, everybody was very concerned because she had not taken the walk, you know, the walk down the aisle to profess mm-hmm. Jesus and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So the pastor comes over to our house and he's talking to my sister and he says, don't you want to live in, in heaven? And she says, well, I don't know what heaven's like. So I can't answer that. So he draws her this picture. Y'all, I will never forget this picture. And it's like these mansions and it's all these bags of money. Oh, wow. And, and my sister, Lord love her. That was important and it's still important to her. I mean, she is a financial guru and she's like, sign me up. Like I want pearl necklaces and all this kind of stuff. Oh and boy. I can even remember then thinking, this is kind of weird. Like this doesn't jive. I mean, with it's prosperity I gospel. Is Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. So, which yeah, is, there's, you know. it, 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 it's interesting that a lot, like I said, a lot, it seems like a lot of the, the things that we get wrong as a church 
is surrounds heaven, the idea of heaven, like, because we're, we're so focused on it. And it's, it's interesting that we're so focused on it, but you know, the, the only mentions in, in the Bible is when Jesus is saying that he's bringing the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. And, you know, I think if you, if you, the, the, the correct interpretation is if you want an image of heaven to draw Jesus, you have it. I mean, he, he, God is heaven. Like it's one and the same, like wherever God is, that's heaven. Wherever Jesus is, that's heaven. Like, you know, he's, he, he, when he was on earth, he was bringing, he was there. Uh, and once again, when he comes back, heaven's going to be on earth. And that's the, that's the very end of revelation. Do you know what that's worth? Heaven is a place on earth. Is that what you're trying to say? We're in a car. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, boy. <laughs> well played, sir. It's a collected groan. <laughs> well played. <laughs> no, I, I do think that the, the, the point about the drawing of heaven, you know, with the, you know, here's your mansion, here's your mansion or something mm -hmm. like that. It, like, we kind of make it a simplistic uh, almost child story, really. And I think that example fits because of that. But we're, we're really underselling, you know, when Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and yet we, oh, no, heaven's going to be exactly like this. And, and yep. I know most people don't say heaven's exactly like this, but we feel like we kind of have a general idea of what it's going to be like. And lots of times it is that kind of simplistic viewpoint. But I think we, should, we shouldn't be so quick to undersell really what God has promised for us. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than what we can imagine. And we shouldn't exclude you know, really anything like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, ha I have visions. I have imagination of what I think, uh, you know, a, a heaven is going to be like, uh, and some of it does involve mansions, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. And I think it, it should be enough to just be with God that should be the ultimate of what we're longing for. Now, whatever treasures we get, whatever crowns we get, uh, that's just extra in my opinion. So let me just go on the record to say, if heaven is just floating around on a cloud, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't, I really don't think it, it would be. <laughs> you know. We shall see. Maybe we can exclude that. That's the one thing we can exclude. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so Greg Boyd, uh, I, I know this is one of his pet peeves about heaven uh, as well. And and I I remember him saying that um, like a lot of the, the near-death experience stories, he kind of writes them off because he, he says that there is no way that we can prove that what they're seeing is accurate that it could be something more scientific, something, you know, whatever their brain interacting with in that so, so many minutes that they had died, um, that we shouldn't hold that as something gospel because there's no scripture really backing that that type of visions can happen. Right. I would probably push back a little bit on that type of wording though because i mean like i feel like it's with anything that you feel like god has revealed to you it's obviously not binding on other christians yeah. or something like that That's and we true. It, it, like, it's more personal in nature yeah and so we shouldn't yeah. take it as more authoritative than something like that if you shouldn't take it as more authoritative than somebody being like yeah i believe yeah. god told me to you know uh, go build a, a shed in my backyard or right. something like that like well maybe he did that's yeah <laughs> 
yeah, good to know, yeah. but I'm, I'm not going to change my whole like uh, walk with right. price based off of your desire to build a shed. And I shouldn't do that based off of your vision. I mean, my personal opinion, I, I do believe that a lot of people do see things when they're dying or because you, you hear stories of nurses saying that, you know, the, these uh, so-and-so seen angels or were talking to angels or, or whatever. Uh, and it seems to be pretty common uh, of an occurrence. So I, I, I think there is, there has to be some kind of visions or uh, open, you know, opening your eyes to see the, the spiritual realm or something of that nature. Well, as somebody who has got to be with many folks as they've transitioned from this life to whatever awaits us next, what I describe that that period of time being is you you're really on holy ground. You know, if you're yeah. with a believer, there is just it's something that is not even explainable, I think. Um, but there is a tangible change in the physical space that you're in and people are probably like, I'm sounding like a crazy woman. Um, but no, I don't just, at all. Yeah. It's just different, you know, and having been with folks when they've had deathbed conversions, I mean, you're excited for that person, but at the same time, I find myself mourning for that person because they've missed out on the joy of following Christ in the, in their lifetime, you know, um, and so, but I do, it really is just a, a high holy moment uh, when, when folks that you, you know, know to be followers of Christ pass away. I mean, it is just, there's just something there that's, that's mm -hmm. very different. Um, so I don't know, I think I would push back on Father Boyd a little bit too. Um, it wasn't, it was Greg Boyd. Oh, Greg Boyd. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Boyd. Yeah. yeah. Boyd. Different Boyd. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, and I do think that we're uncomfortable as especially Western uh, Christians, Americans talking about this spiritual realm. Yeah. Um, I think most of us in mainline denominations are, you know, as a Methodist, I kind of straddle the line between mainline and evangelical. We're uncomfortable talking about that. We want to talk more about systemic evil instead of personal evil. We don't want to talk about satan's influence in the world um and so it changes the way we look at resurrection mm -hmm. i mean yeah. it really does um so it makes people uncomfortable to talk about that which they can't understand and we can't understand this yeah i, I really like your theory I'm, I'm digging it the the people that focus a lot on the spiritual battles on this earth which are real and but if you over put your focus over on that that's your focus on the resurrection sounds a lot like, you know, Platonism or Gnosticism type thing. But if you're focusing solely on social justice issues and things in the current world, your focus on the resurrection looks a lot less on the spiritual. You know what, Brooke? I think you 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 have a, a good theory. I buy in. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm sold. <laughs> yes. And, and to to put my NT Rob hat back on this is all uh, the enlightenment's fault yeah. <laughs> that's that's the reason why that our uh, theology is so divided i think he at least won just a little bit on plato but <laughs> he does yeah one one good thing too uh, that i was wanting to mention when y'all were talking about the a um sermons at the beginning is there's a sermon in Eastern churches, I know, Eastern Orthodox, and I think Eastern Catholic churches do the same thing, but they preach the same exact sermon every um, 
every Easter, they preach a, a sermon from, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but St. John Chrysostom, I think is how you say it. And it's the exact same one. They read that same homily every year, which I think is a pretty interesting way to do it. Obviously, you know, if you're one of those Christer Christians and you come in on uh, Easter, you hear the mm-hmm. same sermon every single year. You might think that's all they ever preach at Sundays, but it's, 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 <laughs> it's a pretty like hopeful message about the resurrection. I think really it sums up the Easter message very well. So it's understandable why they do that. But it, it and I guess they also might want to take off the, uh, the pressure of having to prepare those uh, Easter homilies. So. Well, and I think sometimes preachers can overthink it. You know, what I want to say to folks all the time, because, you know, I've been doing this now for quite a while, is just preach Jesus. Like, yeah. quit making Jesus fit your narrative. Um, quit picking on social issues and making scripture fit that. Preach the message, preach scripture, and all that stuff comes into play. Yep. But, you know, um, so, which leads me to my biggest pet peeve with preachers is when something will happen, you know, towards the end of the week and they're all like, who's changing their message for Sunday? I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, the world doesn't dictate the message that I bring. Like, you know, so anyway, we, maybe we need to do a, um, a, a thing sometimes on Brooks pet peeves of pastors. Oh, that, we should definitely oh, have some pet peeves. That could so be, that would be that great. Could, that would be. <laughs> That would be that would be great. We will fit that in somewhere. What really grinds my gears? <laughs> oh goodness, that that's good stuff. We could we could even make that as like extra content for Patreon when we get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, good stuff. Well, that's a wrap. So uh, peace be with you, and have a good night. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really hope you got some enjoyment out of the podcast this week. Remember to check out our website, www.appalachianliturgy.com, and follow us on all of our social medias. Merch and Patreon is coming soon, so continue to check back for that as well. If you want an easy way to support us, though, make sure to subscribe to our channels and like our videos on YouTube. Also, join our email list for updates and let us know how we're doing. See you next week, everyone. Appalachian Literature Podcast is a JRS Studios production.